Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. Felix, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, Shay. I'm in Atlantic Canada, I think, for the last time for the foreseeable future. So a little bit tired, bittersweet in a way, but um, excited to record again. How are you doing, Shay? I'm doing good. I'm exhausted after this last weekend. Yeah. I kind of feel like you have more cause to be uh, more exhausted than I am because of your traveling. And wow. you basically did the exact same amount of uh, time in flesh and blood this weekend as I did. So not that I can't be tired, but... Yeah, and it's uh, not like you need an excuse to be tired. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to compare things, you you have a kid and all that and yeah. other responsibilities. So let's... Yeah. I totally didn't want to be at work today, man. I was just like, just sitting at my desk for half the day being like a zombie. I'm like, I should just go home and get some sleep. So, yeah, it's it's tough after because we're in the middle of competitive season right now. Weekend two of three of ProQuests just wrapped up, Mm -hmm. which included both ProQuests assigned to our city in Calgary. And I, I feel now similar to after coming home from a big convention, like a calling or nationals, there's always a little bit of a letdown after your entire weekend is filled with games and good times and competition and stress. And now you're, you're back to, you know, Monday Mr. Manager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it totally like at some point on the, on the, on the Sunday, you kind of come to that realization that tomorrow, you know, like you said, is back to the grind yeah it's a bit of a bit of a letdown you don't really want it to end even though you're exhausted your body hurts but yeah still it's a good it was a good weekend i don't know i had a i had a great weekend how was your weekend it was really good but let's actually go back in time because it was the second week of pro quests we actually both got the chance to compete in one the previous weekend Mm -hmm. and that one was up in leduc with our friend uh travis from dream escape hosting and we've had him on the podcast before he actually did a really cool thing he did a back-to-back event with the pro quest on saturday and then he held a what was that event a team sealed or a team draft bright lights team sealed uh sort yeah i guess it's sort of a team sealed yeah you you purchased a box as a team of three and then you open your box and build three decks out of the entire box of cards that you get so you can um, put together some pretty solid decks this way. And it was a lot of fun to sort the cards and work on, you know, three different decks with uh, your team. Yeah, so so Travis is, uh, you know, as expected, especially after our interview with him, just uh, finding fun ways to uh, give back to our community and, and just uh, get more people in his store at the same time. So yep. I wasn't able to make that event, but I was able to, to make the, the ProQuest Um so yeah, how how did that event go for you? Uh, the ProQuest for me, I hadn't really... I guess I sort of did lock into Icelander mm-hmm. I think a couple of weeks before the ProQuest. I've been playing Icelander for a long time, but mm-hmm. I change my build all the time. So the only thing that's kind of familiar is Icelander herself because she has, I would say, like three different builds that people play, like a bully list with the attack actions, the arcane variant, and then there's also like one that runs more... Uh, weather veins trying to hit fuses and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, i'm very familiar with the arcane so that's what i ran this weekend um, and i didn't do very well i didn't do nearly as well as i thought i was going to do um, i hope to top eight honestly uh, but i went one and four i uh, had a rough day just kind of felt like 
everything I presented wasn't meaningful enough. And right. wizard producing seven, six to seven, eight damage a turn vanilla is not enough to stop some of these aggro decks in the format currently. And they would just kind of take it, maybe lose a card and then, you know, proceed to still push 12 plus damage a turn against me. So it was, a, it was quite the struggle that, that weekend. Yeah, the, the numbers seem pretty high, and there were quite a few people experimenting with Dash.io, or yes. I mean, now affectionately known as Dashio or <laughs> Dio. I don't know. I don't know what nickname's going to uh, stick, stick here. Yeah. I know one of our locals was uh, hated Starvo because it sounded like he was starving. And, right. But I, I forget what his alternative to Starva was though. And and that's I think a testament to how unsuccessful those efforts were to fend off uh, the <laughs> moniker. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what the the nickname uh for Dashio will be in the end. Yeah, yeah. I think Dashio's fine. I don't mind Dashio. Yeah. But yeah, is that a bad it. matchup for Icelander? I know OG Dash is uh is not great. Um I didn't actually play into any okay. dashes that much. Got it. There it felt like there's times where Icelander was effective. Like the one frostbite really doesn't matter, but if you can, again, cause I was playing on a more ar- arcane focus list. I had more red ice cards. Uh, my goal was to keep channel Lake frigid around as long as I could. Yep. And if I could string together um, turns of channel Lake frigid, then I could do well. But if I couldn't get a channel Lake to stick or even find one, then I just yep. get run over by any aggro deck. And Dash was, uh, the people that were running Dash were putting together 20 plus damage turns with a maximum velocity, uh, no problem. So, right, yeah, there was some definitely difficulties slowing them down. Okay. Yeah. How about you? How was your uh, ProQuest at, in the Duke? Yeah, I mean, it went surprisingly well. I, I guess I tend to do pretty well up in, in Dream Escape. Um, so it always starts with a loss, round one. <laughs> <laughs> so in this case, it was against uh, Ethan, who is an excellent uh, Dromai player up yeah. from the Edmonton area. Um, re- really great player. We, uh, you know, competed in nationals. He was on stream a couple times, as I understand as well. Um, and yeah, he completely demolished me in the mirror. And then I was lucky enough to to win out from there to get top eight. Um, played a lot of great games on the way. <clears throat> Ran into friend of the podcast and two-time guest Andrew Padleski uh, toward the end of Swiss, and yeah, it was um, it, it was a good day. I played Dromai, just a pretty aggressive version of Dromai that I'm comfortable playing. Yeah. You know, I just like being proactive in in tournaments like this, and mm-hmm. yeah, it it turned out very well for me. Um, yeah always always uh thankful i guess to uh to achieve that result um in a very very tough tough field yeah that's awesome and have you been practicing like have you been making it to armories leading up to this pro quest or do you play on telashar where do you get your practice in because i don't like we've mentioned before you and i don't get to um, go to events together a lot so i know you and i haven't been playing so i was wondering if you were getting reps in or just you're, you've been playing her long enough since Oldham LL that you're getting comfortable with her? Yeah, I think it's it's a couple things. Um, the aggressive list of Dromai doesn't play as weirdly as, you know, Big Dragon. Uh, yeah. So at the end of the day, it is a lot of fundamentals. Um, 
except specifically for the Bravo matchup, which has a very specific game plan. Mm-hmm. So I, all I did was every other week when I was at home, I'd go to the Armory on Tuesdays um, that I normally go to. And on the off weeks when I was away, I'd usually actually get the chance to to practice at least once, either in the armory here or um, at a home gathering um, of people that practice um, as well. So I do prefer to practice in person. I do not have the concentration or discipline to to play on Talishar, especially yeah. against random people. Yeah. And playing as Dromai, it is so frustrating. Like, because sometimes like I'm attacking with Asvali. You know, I'm I'm designating the target of the physical attack as one Ashwing. I'm designating the the arcane damage to two other Ashwings, and then Talishar will mess up which Ashwings are getting attacked, and oh, they yeah. close the chain on me, and I lose my action point, and it's just it's very frustrating <laughs> to play as Droma yeah. on Talishar. I, I full shout out to the devs for for the hard work that they do. Absolutely, I think it's it's not for me. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, a little off topic. I get questions all the time about rules interactions. Oh. And usually it stems from something not working on Talishar. Yeah. And again, not trying to throw shade at Talishar because they've built in an amazing client. allows It allows mm-hmm. people to play the game whenever they want. Um, but I do always tell people to not use Talishar as a rules reference. Because yeah. uh, there's a lot of things that are coded incorrectly or not coded or they haven't got to or bugs, whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's always my recommendation. Yeah, and, and Flesh and Blood is a difficult game. There's new yes. interactions, you know, being asked about all the time. It's definitely no shade on the developers, but uh, it can lead to some awkward situations as judges when when people have the wrong expectations. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like just just playing a deck like Redline Dromai, it it's a bit of a privilege for someone like me that's been playing for a long time just to, to be able to fall back on just calculating the numbers and the base value mm. and just having ha- having a deck like that for someone like me that doesn't have the most time to practice all the time it's it's pretty comfortable because you know for the majority of your matchups all you need to do is work out the values and you'll be pretty okay into them yeah. and just to know what silver bullets you're bringing for which matchups and all that right. yeah so. Yeah, I never really looked at it that way. I'm actually scared to play like aggro decks that have like mm. attack for four, block for two. I understand the math behind it, but I inherently play defensively and want yep. to play things. And I find it very difficult to switch from a defensive style deck that wants to um, just block and set up turns. And you know that they're the power cards and your you know your pivot turns. And the little time I've spent with aggro decks, I just kind of look at everything. I'm like, it all feels like power cards. But block, not blocking and letting on hits happen just kind of scare me because I feel like I'm going to get blown out. So um, it's interesting to hear your delivery about sort of switching from mindset to working out values and figuring out your your silver bullets and also knowing matchups of what you're supposed to block yep. no matter what. Yep. No, for for sure. It's it's very interesting because I started as a very defensive player. But I completely broke that down, abandoned it in search of pure numbers. <laughs> just like, okay, set aside all my feelings. Let's just see what makes the biggest number. And then I, I rebuilt it up to say, okay, numbers are maybe 75% of it. Yeah. But let's let's understand the context 
And I'm, I'm sure the very good players understand that way better than I do, but I feel like at least I'm starting to grasp some of that um, flavor, which mm. is is pretty helpful. So nice. yeah. yeah, made it into top eight, got a cold foil dash, which is gorgeous um, in person. Um, man, the foiling on these heroes gets better each yeah. and every single time. Absolutely. Yeah, and eventually made it up to top four where I was defeated in... I have to say the favorite game of flesh and blood I've played in a very long time against the eventual winner, Jacob on Bravo. Uh, it, it's interesting because Dromai versus Bravo is one of those matchups where there's the, the difference in approaches is so important. And I, I swear this is one of the matchups, which they call a 90, 90 because all the Bravo players say it's like unlosable and so many Dromai players say it's unlosable. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure if you queue into Talishar randomly against, you know, an average player, and you're a very good player, you probably have that 90% win yeah. rate. But um, I, I'm not saying I'm I'm the best player at Dromai, but, uh, man, like, it's it just comes down to can Dromai get there and execute her inevitable you know, end game doom yeah. stack, whichever chosen doom stack you choose or can Bravo kill you. Um, and he knew his role. I knew my role. And in the end of the day came down to dominated lethal for exact, which was very satisfying because I, I think I would have, I would have killed him um, okay. after that. Yeah. How did you feel going into the matchup? Were you nervous? Were you comfortable? Oh, I was very comfortable. I had never lost to a Bravo before. Before <laughs> that, like, yeah, <laughs> he was the first, and he was a very good player. Completely He's a very deserved. good player. Um, yeah. Whenever I hear listen to him talk about uh, the hero that he's playing, because uh, he invests his time very deeply into whether it's Bravo or Dash, mm-hmm. um, he seems to be very knowledgeable in all of his matchups, and his he knows his mm-hmm. game plans and what he's trying to do and how to execute it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it honestly doesn't surprise me that he knew what to do going into that matchup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if I have one regret is that I had not blocked with my flamescale furnace the entire game. And I died to exact lethal. So I did have some stranded value there that would have made right. a difference in that case. But, you know, it's those little, little decisions that you make throughout the course of a game that will make the difference between victory and defeat. And that's that's quite a good lesson for me because, I mean, you want to preserve your equipment against Bravo. And that's mm-hmm. the lesson that I had in my head. But once your life total gets low enough, the crush effect doesn't matter. You know, yeah. the on hit is death. Like, <laughs> don't don't be too miserly with it either. Yeah. So yeah, Fair. just uh, yeah, really, really great game. Um, but yeah, that was Saturday for me. Anything else about the Saturday for you? No, I don't think so. It was mine was pretty pretty low key. It ended early, and we just uh, went for dinner after the top eight was announced. So yeah, yeah, just hung out with everybody. Look, had good times over at Boston Pizza there. Awesome. What about uh, what about the Sunday event that I had to miss on? Uh, yeah, so the event starts, there are 16, or sorry, 18 people, so six mm-hmm. teams. So actually really good numbers, to be honest, because we had perfect player count, perfect team count um, to play somebody different every round. 
Um, we drafted our our box and played our games. I did not do very good. I lost my first game. Uh, so I needed Andrew and Ethan to win, which they did. So we were 1-0. And then in round two, all three of us won. Uh, nice. So that was pretty sweet. And then in round three for you know, all the marbles, I, I lost again. And then Andrew also lost and Ethan won. So I just needed my win to shift to game three instead of game two. And <laughs> if we only would have won. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun, though. Um, I've never played a team sealed event before. So uh, Andrew was sort of our captain in the middle and he was able to watch uh, our games and give advice and help play through turns that were complicated, which is really neat. Uh, I honestly felt like I was cheating. It was the, it was the weirdest thing for me, but like, Hey, what do you think about my hand? What, what, here's what I'm thinking I should play out. And then you have this little conversation and it's just not something you're normally allowed to do. So it kind of feels like you're, uh, yeah, like I said, cheating. So it's yeah. it kind of interesting. Yeah. It's, it's really comforting. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of, uh, formats like two headed giant, like two V two in mm-hmm. some capacity for like someone trying to introduce their partner to a game or a, a friend, something like that. Because yeah, just having someone to talk over lines with is, I mean, it gives you a huge boost. Oh yeah. Even if it, even if they say, yeah, that's good. It gives you so much confidence that, you know, because the game's so complicated that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's a great, well, great feeling. I was on Max, which he is fairly straightforward to mm. play. However, his his resource numbers are, I found the difficult part to be mm-hmm. putting together about, you know, boosting and making hyper drivers and getting those resources. And so he helped me step through a few turns. And like you said, nice, yeah, yeah, sometimes he was like, yeah, this is this is the line I would do. And you're like, cool, awesome. I'm glad. But like having such a high level comp- player beside me offer me advice was really good for me and it was like great to see other lines because it's always hard to see i always find it hard to see more than one or two two lines of play no matter how long i sit there and look at my cards yeah yeah it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it i I hope we get to do things like that more often um and that they help build the community as well in that regard that's awesome. Well, huge shout out to Travis and Dream Escape up in Leduc. And yeah, fingers crossed there'll be another event and hopefully I'll be able to make that one. Mm-hmm. Is there yeah. anything else on that weekend before we move on? No, I think that's everything. All right. Well, yeah. So this past weekend was the doubleheader CC ProQuest in Calgary on Saturday and then limited ProQuest on Sunday. So I guess we can start with uh, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, I was the judge for the CC event. We had 31 people. We had a crew come in from Winnipeg, which was awesome. Um, So huge shout out to (laughs) the community, the Flesh and Blood community from Winnipeg, um, Grant and... um, you know, the, the others that, that came down and Bill LePage, um, another guest that we had on earlier, also from Winnipeg. Um, great scene and 31 people overall. Did you Man. know that the Winnipeg people were coming? I did not. It was okay. a huge yeah. surprise. Huge surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I think Paul originally said there was over 40 people because yeah. we were talking about there being seven rounds Yeah. and couldn't figure out where these bonus people came from. Yeah. Until we no, learned. 
it was really cool. It's it's really cool to see people coming in from other places, sharing stories, mm-hmm. sharing different metas, and oh, I I heard all the time, wow, Calgary has a lot of bravos. Like, yeah, welcome to Calgary. <laughs> yeah, that welcome is, to Calgary. That yeah. is what it's gonna be yeah. like. You're gonna run into a few. Uh, it's always been like that. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was a great great turnout, very smooth event. Um, I guess, Shay, how how did you do as a player in this one? Well, um, la- the weekend prior, I was on Icelander, and it didn't go well. So um, I had been practicing another hero for a couple of weeks leading up to this event. And uh, I showed up on Riptide, which is probably not most people's first choice. Um, I figured with you and Ethan not coming that the draw my count would be low. Uh, so I knew that all I had to do was dodge draw and maybe I'd be okay. And there was also in my mind, only one wizard again, another matchup I need to, to dodge outside of that. I was fairly comfortable into any aggro matchup and I had a game plan for Bravo. If that was the case, um, I ended up going four one on the day, uh, making top eight. <laughs> so my uh, loss in Swiss was to a wizard, so I wasn't able to uh, dodge the wizard the whole day. Um, uh, in fact, actually, my first round was against one of the uh, players from Winnipeg, uh, Wei Yang. He was on Lexi, and it was a very close matchup. Um, mm. I got through halfway through the, the game, and I didn't actually realize that he was playing his third three of a kind. And so I was like, well, if I can survive this turn, I've dodged... I've gone through a lot of the power cards and yeah, it was, I mean, it was a battle to the end. Like it's not like a free win into Lexi or anything like that, but I was able to get there. I just, I kind of felt bad for him to be honest. Um, you know, you, you fly from another city to come play in a, you know, a semi major tournament or whatever you want to call the pro quests and you get paired into a riptide. Like, I don't think anybody's expecting that they're going to get paired into a riptide. No. So I felt felt kind of kind of bad, but you know what? He did really good. He ended up four uh, winning as well on the day, so he ended up making it to top eight anyways. Even though he lost to me in the first round, so good old submarining that is yeah. very popular here in Alberta. Yeah. So so you you made top cut. Yes, I did with Riptide. You with Riptide. You missed top cut with Icelander. So. <laughs> I would like to reiterate, this is peak Shea Ashby. You play a good deck, you don't get any results, but yes. you play Riptide and you you get there to, make things to top happen. eight. Yeah. You're just uh, living in an alternate reality here. Yeah, I mean, Jem was, uh, you know, very nice to me that day. Mm. Uh, I think if I got paired into the Dromais or Bravos, it was could have been a very different day. Yeah. So I got a very good matchup spread through Jem. So I recognize that. Um, yeah, and then right. we cut to top eight and I get paired against my first round opponent again. I thought I was actually at the disadvantage this time. Cause I, I, I feel like if you play somebody and you lose to them, you can change your strategy. You can work out where you lost and a new game plan to win. And the person that won doesn't have that opportunity in that window. You know, the people that are do- performing well are typically, you know, I would say people that are playing well that day and can work out those little things. So I was actually nervous about this round because right. it's not like Lexi is a free win. Like anybody can just play Rain Razor, Rain Razor, three of a kind, and there's nothing you can do. <laughs> so, 
So, uh, yeah. So eventually I got there. Uh, we had lots of people watching. It was a very tight match. There was one point where it was like 16 to six and all I was doing was blocking and it didn't feel like I was in a very good place. And I was able to get a turn off where I sent like 10 or 12 damage with a blood rot uh, attached to it. And so kind of, I guess for a little bit of perspective on the game, he was trying really hard to set up five and six card turns. Like he would stop attacking me. Um, and then arsenal a card, have the ponder trigger or whatever. And so, yeah, so he tried really hard to set up those cards. Um, then going back, he took the 10 damage plus the blood rot, which brought him down into my health range. Uh, and I was like, I thought I was going to die there. I could be misremembering the timing, but there was a turn in the game and it might've been this turn where I got to play a frailty trap from hand, which turned off a four go again attack. And then he played a heat seeker and I got to play another frailty trap from hand, which turned the seeker down into a three attack. So it turned off his whole turn and wow. bought a lot of tempo for me and gave me a lot of space. Cause he stopped attacking at that point. Cause there was no point in sending another, uh, one cost arrow for three damage. Wow. So, and again, it was very tight, very close. Lots of people watching, uh, very nervous. Cause I'm always like, are people judging my poor decisions and what I'm doing wrong? It was, it was a very fun game. Uh, his matchups were my favorite of the day because uh, they were very back and forth. Um, questioning my blocking. Should I be blocking here? Should I be attacking? Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, huge shout outs to your opponent. I think, yeah, Wei Yang from yeah. Winnipeg. We're so sorry you came to Calgary <laughs> and had to play Riptide. <laughs> uh, yeah, so then but, in top four, I meet Isaiah, who was my round two opponent on Kano. And it, it, it's not it's a non-game. I'm on AB1. Yeah. I got six blues in my deck. There's literally nothing I can do. All me doing attacking for nine every turn allows him to just filter through his deck to find the cards he wants to find. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So shout out to Isaiah for making it to the finals two pro quests in a row for him. He made Kelowna finals and unfortunately lost there. And then also unfortunately lost again uh, on Saturday to another Bravo. Yeah. So shout out to Max for winning the Ogres PQ. Yeah. Bravo. What a... What a great day, yeah, and from, from my perspective, you know, a lot of simple rules questions, but nothing too crazy from a, from a penalty perspective. Um, so yeah, you know, our, our local events typically run incredibly smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, no failed deck checks? No failed deck checks. I think um, all the, you know, threatening people in the weeks leading up, you know, putting the fear <laughs> into them like, seemed to pay off, so... The, the, the last thing I want to do in a deck check is discover an issue. Yeah. I, I did have to issue some IP2s for deck list issues during the PTI event at Canadian Nationals. Okay. Um, it doesn't feel good for anyone. Yeah. Um, luckily, the players in that instance were very understanding. They said, you know, it was on me. I missed writing this card. I can see how, you know, someone could use that ambiguity mm-hmm. to their advantage. So... There, everyone was very understanding, but still, it's it's not, you know, it's not something you you like doing. So I'm every time I, I do a deck check, I'm a little nervous because I I don't want to, you find, don't want to find anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll yeah. I'll do what I need to do, right? But you you I never know. want to. You, you to just never want to feel like the bad guy, right? Mm. For for somebody's mistakes. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you know the person, right? And, you know, that's it's a tough situation to be mm-hmm. in. So, yeah, at the end of the day, a lot of fun. Um, then moving on to Sunday, I think um, you had, you were the head judge for the draft event. And how, yes. how did that go? Um, this is my first time TOing, or sorry, judging a draft event. Yep. As well as TOing an event. So I've never run Gem before. Mm. Uh, there's always been somebody at the store that's, that does it. This venue at Selly's, their play space is on the second floor. It's like sort of like an afterthought to his original business model. Um, so it's very separated from the store. So he can't TO it. It's just literally right. impossible. So I took it upon myself to go to roll. And I was honestly very nervous because I didn't want to screw anything up. Uh, we were talking about this before, that the last thing I want to do is screw something up in an event like a PQ by clicking on the wrong button or going to the wrong page. So I definitely leaned on you and Arthur and um, Tyler for assistance in gem. Cause I was very scared about like clicking on the, like the back to tournament button. Cause it felt like it was just going to like, I don't know, erase the round. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'd never done a draft and we had talked about um, some strategies and um, things that I should do and should not do for the draft event. So I do appreciate your, your knowledge and insight there to help run the event as logistically as easy as yep. possible for me yep. and make it smooth smooth for the players. And I hope that came through for the players. I feel like it was smooth. It did take a long, it was a long day, um, but I th- don't feel like there were giant issues and I feel like it went very smooth and people were, um, the players were really good, honestly. Yeah. Um, draft registration is a scary process for a lot of people and especially bright lights. A lot of people don't know how to organize their, their card pool. Like people may not realize that there's actually sub pools, like all the mechanologist cards are, are grouped together. And the way that I tell is that there's a little lightning bolt where the pitch symbol is. Right. And then the items have like two little wires, and the scrap cards, you know, have this scrappy looking thing. <laughs> I don't yep. even know how to describe it. Like, but a lot of people don't even know that. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're confused about how do you organize these cards? Are they all just say mechanologist? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. You're, there's four different borders that make it very simple to distinguish between like mech cards, items, yeah, evos and whatnot. So, but it's funny too, because along with that inability to organize, I heard a few people question other players organization piles when they were verifying the registration pool so that was that was pretty funny because people were like what is this mess (laughs) you mean you're not supposed to shuffle your whole pool to randomize it before yeah apparently not uh Yeah. yeah so i didn't get too many difficult judge calls uh it was actually very light on judge calls compared to my previous events in classic constructed and i wonder if that's twofold one um, this set isn't as complicated as other sets. Um, and yeah. two, you're only playing with three heroes and their nuances as opposed to 20 some heroes that you could potentially play against yeah. and not seeing interactions between two heroes ever is a thing people, you know, might have never experienced because you don't play against a certain hero or whatever. So, uh, judge wise, very light. I think, uh, there was one, one solid call that you and I had talked about afterwards. Yeah. Um, but the logistics of the running the event was was tiresome and a lot 
to make sure that, you know, I was trying to like be as efficient as possible for everybody, making sure the rounds were going smoothly and people were getting packs and had cards or their, yep. their pools to write down on and stuff like that. So yeah. How was the day for you? Yeah, no, it, it seemed to run really well. And yeah, big shout out. Running draft events is very tiring because yeah, you're you're always you know, you have to get people seated mm-hmm. into pods, then there's a there's another one. So you have to do it all over again and you have to pass out product and there's a lot more to it logistically than than running a CC um event when everyone just brings their deck. So you don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. And so. even even that was a thing that we were figuring out on the day of was how the seating goes. Because sure it just tells sure. you seat one through eight, but what does that look like physically? So as somebody who's never yeah. looked at it before definitely had to figure that out so that we were seating people appropriately. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, no, the, the, the day went really well. Um, I think um, our community still needs to do some practice in drafts. I don't think uh, our community values Teclavasen enough. Um, it feels like the correct distribution of heroes should be like 4-2-2 mm-hmm. um, with four Teclos and two of the rest. But we were consistently getting, it seems like in all the pods, we were getting something like 3-3-2. Three, okay. three, so the Teclos were stronger than they should have been, quote-unquote, yeah. and other heroes were not as strong. I know strong. there was a 4-IO table at the start of the day. People love Dash. <laughs> if they do. Down here, people love Dash down here. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's great to love Dash, probably not mathematically correct for this limited format fair enough yeah so yeah pod pod one yeah i recognized that tecla was underdrafted and yeah had a very good pool um so yeah i was lucky enough to 3-0 that that pod and yeah that i was able to uh squeak into top eight uh despite going one two in the next pod um because of the tie breaks and and all right. of that, having so many wins early, so made it to top eight again. Got another dash, um, so probably so two, looking two to dashes trade it. now. Yeah, trying to trade it probably for a max. And, uh, I'm sure you could find a trade easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, no, couldn't um, couldn't make it past top eight though. So overall, like really really fun event, and yeah, great to have two tier two tournaments in in Calgary again. Mm-hmm. Like yep. it's a, a great feeling. And yeah, I guess I mean we've already shout out shouted out the last two PQ winners. So congratulations yeah. to Emily for winning the Sellies draft PQ. So she yeah. played awesome. And it was a two Teclovasen or a Teclovasen mirror in the finals. So mm-hmm. I think as the day went on, people realized how strong Teclovasen really was. Yeah. And in the final draft pod, there was only one max. Mm-hmm. And then I think there was two dashes or something like that. And then the okay. rest were tech lows. Okay. So I think pretty close to like what you were describing is the, probably the right. Yeah. So it, it balanced out a bit. Yeah. Huge, mm-hmm. huge shout out to Emily. She's been playing for, for a little while now, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And just very, very mechanically strong player, especially yeah. like she very rarely makes errors in gameplay that I've seen. And I think that's very well suited for this format. Uh, this format seems pretty tight. There isn't like a fi that can run you over. There's nothing you can do. It seems like mm-hmm. every hero is pretty fair yeah. um, for the most part. Um, 
I guess Dash does have some very explosive stuff out of nowhere, but certainly compared to other formats, the huge blowout turns don't seem to be there. Yeah, but like anything, even with Dash, like if you get killed from eight because you don't block a four attack and they red boom grenade, yeah, you learn. Like once you learn that you can die from eight against Dash, you think differently. Yeah. So where there's sometimes where you, I think you feel like you get blown out, I think there's a way around it too, to certain degrees to be able to like not get blown out. Um, I did hear a few people on the day be like, yep, GG. And I look over and they're holding like three cards in their hand still. <laughs> <laughs> like, guess you can't block, hey? Yeah, it's <laughs> stranded value, right, is yeah. one of those things that people don't recognize. But the the big value of something like Dominate or a combat trick is you can win the game and your opponent has nine life left in their hand because they didn't think to block or they couldn't block. That's where you get the big value. That's yep. that, that's why we always tell beginner players, like a lot of times you overvalue dominate because your opponent didn't want to block anyway, or they just wanted to block with one card anyway. So your dominate was meaningless. Mm. But at the end of the game, the dominate is winning you the game because of the stranded value. Like yep. you just stole nine additional value from them um, and they died. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a great concept. Yeah. So it was, it was good. It was a long day. Yeah. I was like about 10 hours. Plus we did the nine hours the day before and Thomas and Karen had a party. And so we were there till like one o'clock in the morning. So wow. I was tired. That's why I'm tired today. It's been, it's been a long weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been a very fun weekend. I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of fun. I this bet. Weekend. It's so nice that we could get our scheduled back to back. So yeah, people from out of town could just make a weekend of it and yeah, mm-hmm. have a little mini convention kind of feeling. So I can't wait for the next season. Yeah. So uh, moving on, I guess, very simple topic. Lexi is leaving Classic mm-hmm. Constructed, uh, I believe, as of November 6th. So next week, as of this recording, Lexi will no longer be a part of the format. What do you think? Yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, Lexi had a very interesting arc from a very scrappy underdog I remember the first time uh, Yuki won the first Canadian Nationals on Lexi. Everyone was shocked. Like, yep. wow, Lexi's playable? Like, <laughs> who would play such a jag hero? Like, And Lexi was always a specialist then. Like, uh, a tool that you use into a specific meta. You tailor the suite of arrows. And you can take down a tournament if they over-specialize. And for a long time she had that underdog status and actually like a big soft spot in my heart because i managed to to win a tournament because of that as well like before outsiders um so she evolved from that into just a monster of going above rate which is an interesting heel turn for a, a hero to go from a specialist tool to just a overall best aggro deck deck in the format from numbers and from on hit effects Mm -hmm. so yeah i think it's uh with mixed feelings that i'm you know that i'm seeing this ll but um very interested to see what the next wide ranger will be and uh the next version of lexi because i'm sure she'll be coming back in in some form how what do you think yeah i don't mind it i'm not one of those people that's usually hard up on anything leaving. Yeah. Um, Cause like 
again, like in the Star Wars days, everybody was, can't wait till Star Wars leaves. Can't wait till Chain leaves. Can't wait till Rosetta Thorne is gone. And now we're in the, can't wait till Lexi goes. Um, They don't bother me. I feel like they just, I feel like that's where I enjoy the game in a weird way, I guess. Like yep. I like to counterplay meta decks. That's kind of like what I do, yep. I guess. Um, so it's part of why I picked Riptide this weekend. Yep. Um, I figured there was lots of going to be lots of Lexis and Katsus, and I wanted to be prepared for that. And, I, and like I said earlier, I knew there was going to be less Dromise. So I don't mind it. I don't mind being able to be the guy that's tailoring a deck to beat another deck. Yep. And I don't care how bad that hero is, because um, if it just gives me the percentage points and where I think the 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 mass of players is going to be, I'm okay with that. Yep. So now I guess for me, I have to wait to find out what shakes out with less Lexi leaving the format now. So yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about it, I guess. Yeah. So I, don't, it, I don't mind it. I just, I like, I don't like the idea of like being upset at something existing. I'm not usually so tied down by certain thoughts that I get angry and super vocal about certain things. Like a lot of people do on social media, which is fine. That's your, your opinion, but I just kind of live in it. It is what it is. It exists. So let's, let's, you know, be mindful of that and figure out, you know, do you want to play it or do you want to beat it and just go from there? Yeah. Like Ranger is an interesting class to have at the top because the class does have inherent weaknesses that mm -hmm. you can target. Like you were saying earlier, Ranger is very weak to frailty tokens. If it's a wide Ranger, your frailty yep. gets so much value. And also Ranger has no fridge so that some guardians are are attacking her that way, just knowing she can't lock well. Yep. Like it, it, it's a lot different feeling of a top meta deck because of those weaknesses that can be exploited versus when the top meta deck is something that has a fridge and can go wide and still has all this armor. Like she doesn't feel invincible, even if she's the top dog. Yeah. Um, and I mean, she has high roll potential. You know, if you get double reigned with a three of a kind, then yeah. <laughs> It happens, I guess. Yep. It happens for with any top aggro deck, though, like be it a channel force, you know, Briar turn or mm -hmm. or pick pick your poison among the other meta decks like Double Art of War Fi, like all of these aggro decks have the ability to high roll you as well. Yep. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, everybody yeah. talks that Dromai is going to be the new top dog. Which then brings Ninja in. I mean, we're not a competitive podcast, but you know, <laughs> if that's the world that we live in, then you know, Riptide still might be an okay choice if uh, Dromai's rise to the top and then they start to fall once the ninjas come into play. I'll be waiting in the shadows with Riptide. I just love how devoted you are to to Riptide of all heroes <laughs> out there. But, uh, yeah, we're gonna see know. you be the world champion someday on like this unplayable <laughs> hero. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie that I didn't have thoughts if like, if I didn't meet Isaiah in, uh, the top four, there was a chance that I could have won the PQ on Riptide. Yeah. You know, those but... pesky wizard players. Just... I know. Well, he was right though. Like we had this conversation. He's like, I'm going to take, uh, Kano. And I'm like, he's like, I'm going to make people respect wizard. And I'm like, that's totally fine. Right. PT one people thought Kano was garbage and look how well he performed in PT one. So yeah. it's, it's, it's no different than me making a anti agro meta call. He made a, nobody brings a B meta call and he was yep. not wrong. Yeah. So yeah, it's good awesome. stuff. Want to talk about heavy hitters a little bit? 
Yeah, um, sure, we can talk about it. I don't have much knowledge in this regard other no. than a few spoilers came out. We know that there's going to be Warrior, Guardian, and Brute spoilers, I guess. Um, I do have a question, though. I'm wondering if there's going to be a fourth hero or fourth class, mm. like they hid the assassin, um, or is it just going to be those three? I'm kind of leaning towards just the three, but we'll we'll see. I'm very excited because I love Guardians, but these three classes are typically not the classes that you play. Nope. Um, is this something that you think you'll be more on the sidelines of and just focusing on limited or wait and see? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chance I pick up something like Warrior. Always a fan of Warrior classes in anything. Right. Kind of like, I guess initial feelings kind of like my bright light fe- bright lights feelings. I'm not a mechanologist player. Yep. I'm excited for mechanologist players. So I am, again, excited for Warrior, Guardian, and Brute players that they yep. get more support and uh, want that to be, you know, their thing. So it's super cool for me. I'm, I'm okay with being on the sidelines and, and watching it. So we'll see. We'll see how the set pans out. I don't mind waiting. And, you know, if it looks cool and I'm, I want to jump it into warrior then, then I will. Um, like you said, you're excited about guardian. Do you have any interest in the other two classes that we know about? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I want brute to be really good. So we'll see. Um, and I, I do like warrior, um, the play style as well. Like I, I like all of these classes. They're, they're the bread and butter WTR original yep. classes. So there's a soft spot in my heart for, for all of those. So I can't wait to see what the new weapons will be. I hope they're like token weapons or they're just available mm-hmm. to, to all the heroes. Like, yeah, I'm really excited to see what's, what's coming out here. Perfect. I don't know. There's not a lot right now on the topic, so I'm not sure how much more we can really speak on this. So should we move on to our random topics of the day, unless you got something else? Yeah, let's let's do it. Um, last minute audible for my random topic here, because you brought it up. Fantasy archetypes. Many people that grew up playing D&D or watching Lord of the Rings or anything... I, I think many of them feel drawn to a specific fantasy archetype and consistently choose that archetype when imagining themselves in a fantasy setting or maybe creating a character in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you mention for yourself, typically you're a warrior or are you typically something like that? Um, when it, I, Warrior or uh, spellcaster, so like wizard or sorcerer typically. Those would be my flavors. Mm. Um, just depends on how I feel. Uh, being a badass, armor-wearing, sword-wielding warrior is super cool. But then the gifts of magic, man. Just being all-powerful, being able to create and destroy stuff at will. I don't know. would be pretty rad in real life, I think. And are, you said it's depending on your mood. Is it like 50-50 or like, are you typically in the mood for one? Because not too many people actually, I've, I've asked this question, say either like the no magic <laughs> class or the pure magic class. Those are two sides of the spectrum there. So, I mean, I started playing f- fantasy games in like D&D you mentioned with friends. Yeah. Moving into Diablo, which eventually had a multiplayer into EverQuest, which had multiplayer, into WoW, which had multiplayer. And honestly, at the end of the day, my usual class was Phil. I would just Mm. take any role that needed to be filled. 
So I enjoy more letting other people play what they desire to play and then being sort of that glue that holds the band together because that's what was needed. And then, I, then in, if that's what I get to choose, then I know that I'm valuable to the people that I'm playing with inherently. I mean, that's very noble of you. It's not, but that, not meant to be also, noble. But... This is supposed to be your power fantasy. Like This, this <laughs> reminds me of the scene in The Office where, you know, it's like, Dwight, your fantasy is to be the assistant to the devil. Like, right. <laughs> like come on. Like, yeah. why Phil? I don't know. Ugh. Just, it's just the way it is. Like, you know, I, I don't know. In, in Skyrim, I was like a ninja magic user, you know? Okay. Yeah. Shooting bows from the dark. And if you had to, um, you know, cast spells. I guess now that I kind of think about it, probably mostly a spellcaster of arcane in nature, I think, if I had okay. to pick one. Yep, yep. Um, I just, uh, I totally dig the idea of maybe sort of like the Jedi style, um, light and fast, but you can use powers to do, you know, whatever you need to do, I guess. Okay, so like you, you wouldn't want to be just a wizard with a bunch of books. Well, no. you'd, you'd want to. No. Okay. I don't know. I've always liked the idea of summoning like your weapon and your shield. Mm. Okay. And so if you wander around, you look like a normal person, but then you can cast spells and summon stuff. And all of a sudden you're a badass. Okay. I don't know. That oh, hidden, that's really interesting. That, that's... Hidden badassery. How about you? What's your archetype? Guess. One guess. Hmm. Cleric. Close. Um, Paladin. Paladin, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I teased this a while back when I said I was lawful good, like, as a person, right? Like, That's true. And, you, you know, I'm, I've always been drawn to the, the Paladin archetype. You know, I, I know Paladins get a bad rap. They're often, you know, just uh, satirized as being lawful stupid, which is one way <laughs> to I play mean, Paladins, like, so... for sure. <laughs> Slightly off topic. Last yeah. night I was watching uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves mm -hmm. and the paladin trope that they Love did in that movie is amazing. So good. So, so good. So good. Um, but I mean, no. if that's your jam, that's your jam. That's not okay. only a paladin, but a, a stereotypical DMs player character. Just uh... in, in which in which regard? Uh, big spoilers for the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves uh, movie, which was fun. It was a lot of fun, and I'd recommend it. But just uh, so for uh, a, a trope for bad DMs is that they self-insert their own player characters into the story because he just came in, told the party what to do, was completely overpowered, solved the problem, and then walked away. Like, right. isn't this a DM player character for a bad DM? So. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. I've, I, I always liked, you know, the, the class philosophy of paladins, like being the brunt of it, taking the hits, you know, being the face of the party and the moral compass. Like that's, that's big for me. Mm. That aligns with a lot of how I, want to be as a person i don't always live up to those expectations and you sometimes don't... you you get into conflict with the more chaotic people that that you surround yourself with but that's okay that's what like, I, that's what i was gonna ask you yeah. you don't you don't have the desire like this is the moment in time where you get to be somebody that you can't be and that mischievousness doesn't creep into you you don't want to like 
break into that house and find out what's in there or, you know, go steal the mayor's secret documents and find out what he's up to. That's that's you don't want to have that little bit there. I, I do. But there's also, you know, there's ways to work within the confines of the law to get the to get the result you want. Okay. There's some flexibility. Sure. Okay, right? I'm glad. That's... Okay. Not everybody as a paladin has flexibility. They become oh, this that... staunch idiot that Yeah, that's going waver. back to lawful <laughs> stupid, right? Like you you have to know the boundaries, right? You have to have fun with it. You yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I guess it depends on your setting and which deity you're the paladin of as well. So Yeah. Anyway, nice. it's it's pretty interesting, yeah. Because my my wife, she says she's always a ranger, and I get that she loves animals, like yeah, you you know, lots of different reasons why that class appeals to her. It's just interesting how you know a lot of people that aren't even gamers stereotypically, though. When I ask them, like, hey, in Lord of the Rings, like, which character of the party do you? identify with and they're like oh yeah i'm legolas or i'm gimli like it's just instantly you can envision yourself like what role and you know you you want to be in in that environment which Mm -hmm. is cool yeah do you have a a random topic for us shay um i do it's i guess is like only a tiny bit more serious than yours since you audibled yeah the, the fantasy archetypes on me so I'm going to bring it back a little bit, I guess. Yep. Um, this week, some friends came into town for the Tool concert. They, I met them in the early, uh, yeah, probably about 2003. And they moved away a few years later, probably like five or six years later, back to Regina um, to mm-hmm. have an easier family life in Regina. It's cheaper to live there. Mm-hmm. And I've seen them twice since they moved. This was the second time that I saw them. We went for dinner earlier in the week and as i was telling you earlier um my friend that's from regina is sort of like the linchpin for the group of friends that we used to hang out with right um we could totally call any of those people in the friend group but you know there's just always that one person that's sort of like the leader i guess or linchpin and uh they are that to this group so it was nice to see all my old friends hang out with them and i like i was telling you earlier i miss their personalities more than I thought their mannerisms. Um, one of the people in that group is probably the person I respect the most in this world. And I didn't realize how much I missed him. Um, right. Cause I think about him and miss the things that I could have been doing with that group of friends. And it was just really nice to see those people and hang out with them and sort of relive and recount, you know, the things we used to do together and, it was really nice, and we made uh, a big effort to. Well, we didn't. We didn't make a big effort, but we made sure that we m- made time to see them, right? As much as we could while they were here. Um, you know, I kind of pushed a Halloween party back on Saturday a little bit um, because I wanted to spend as much time with I with my friends as I could. And so, yeah, that was sort of like as my random topic is. I guess I just didn't really realize what some people in my life meant to me until I finally got to see them again years later. And, um, good people are good people. You know, I don't know, just kind of, kind of missed it. And man, if they ever moved back, I'd really like that. It'd be nice. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's interesting that you, you reconnected with people that you hadn't seen for a long time 
And I, I, I think about some plants and they can live in a desert and not get rain for months yeah. or years. I, I don't know if there's any plant that can survive for years. Don't quote me, but you know, like they can go for a long time, but as, as soon as they get a little bit of rain or a little bit of connection in this case between your friends, it's like you, you hit it off just like you, you never left off mm-hmm. um, or it, like nothing ever changed. And you have all these great stories, but other people, you know, they, they grow apart for a reason you know, sometimes yep. it's purely circumstance. And when you reconnect, you find your values are still the same. You still, you know, you still can have a great conversation and you're right back at it. But other times, you know, when, when I've, I'm thinking about some people that I've fallen out of contact with, sometimes it's because there was a divergence in values or now I'm in a different part of my life now. You know, you're still out going to the nightclub mm. every every evening. I yep. left that lifestyle behind a long time ago. Like, you Let's know, so real. it just kind of depends, yeah, on on the the reason why why you fell out of contact to a certain. You extent. were never in that life. I can't see you going out to nightclubs and partying. It it it, it was a brief time when I was very young, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what no, about you? Like, you've you've always seemed fairly, fairly proper as well. I can't see you as a young man. I don't know. <laughs> I have histories with things. We'll leave it okay. at that. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have changed a lot. Let's put it okay. that way. Got it. Uh, got nothing. It. Nothing dark and law breaking. Well. Yeah. I don't want to say that. Yeah. Um, don't don't tell your party paladin <laughs> about any uh, histories. But uh, it was it was. Again, I've already said it, it was nice, but to know that they're still just as good friends, the only difference is that there's more stories to tell because the time between when we see each other is a while. And so there's just more things to talk about. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel that way with a lot of people that actually part of the fab community um here locally like uh, we have quite a few people that only show up for pre-releases or they only show up once in a very blue moon you know Mm -hmm. just for a pq and uh one of them anthony who you know he had a you know he they they had a kid and as a result you know between the kid and work he just so rarely comes out to events but it's a pleasure every time he comes out and even top eight in the draft yeah like this is awesome yeah it was it was great i i love to see it like when when you have good good people like that you know it's it just makes it all the more special when when they do come out you kind of made me think of an interesting thought in that they're not people you see all the time but they're familiar when you do see them yeah you know you i might not know everything about your life but when you you show up you're you know you're still a friend you're still a compatriot part of the community and you know, you may have been missed, but you're not forgotten. And it's always nice mm-hmm. to see people come out of the woodworks whenever they can, whenever they can find time and come out. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else to add, Shay, before we wrap up today? No, I think uh, we've done pretty good. All right. Well, you can find us on IP2 Podcast on YouTube, IP2 Podcast on Twitter, and IP2 Podcast on Blue Sky. Thank you so much.
So for everything that you said up to now, can you, in editing, can you please just speed it up and put the Benny Hill music? <laughs> sure. Like, because this is quite a convoluted series of team moves that, uh, I know. that you made. Yeah, so the Sunday was quite a... Man, I don't even know if I can recount all the changes uh, of my team. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it was announced, uh, I was messaged right away by a few people. Yeah. Thank you very much for those people that think that I can play limited. I appreciate it. I'm not a good limited player. Um, so I had a conversation with a few people. We actually set up a sort of like a six person group yep. um, to figure out how we were going to do two teams. And yeah, everybody was, those six people were good. We sort of had loose teams uh, made up. Uh, and then about a week before the event, I did a double check on the players on my team. So I think it was Travis and Arthur's at the time. Yep. And Travis was like, no, I have a new, engage- a new engagement that I can't uh, go to the event on the weekend. So that's mm-hmm. no problem. We go to reach out. Arthur and I go to reach out to, I think, uh, some folks in Edmonton at that point. I think we reached out to Kale. And he, I'm not sure if he was planning on going, um, but he made some time for us. So he joined our team, which was cool. And then Arthur's wife uh, had an accident and like shattered her elbow in two places. And she needed orthopedic, orthoscopic, orthoscopic surgery uh, on her elbow. So she is expecting a baby. So she, they weren't comfortable with him going up on the weekend with her new injury. Makes total sense. So then I had to find another player. And somebody had told me that Luke was looking to go up to Edmonton and play in the uh, potentially, or sorry, he was already going to Edmonton and he would potentially play in the team event. So I messaged him and he said, yep, um, I might do it. I'll think about it. And I was like, okay, cool. Just let me know. And I got a message from Travis saying that there's a new guy that's looking for a team. He's like, if you want him, don't expect to be competitive. Um, but you know, he's there. And I was like, okay, cool. So on the Sunday before the Sunday, I was like, Luke, I need an answer. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to go. I'm like, cool. I messaged Travis. Take, well, Kale and I will take the new guy. Cool. He's like, I'll message him and let him know. So that's all good. And then like half an hour later, Travis messages me back. He's like, new guy can't come. I was like, okay. So I have to find another person now. Uh, so we reached out to Kevin, who I honestly thought was going to, if he was going, he was going to go with like his family because his one or two sons play flesh and blood. So I thought he was already on a team there if he was playing and he got back to me. He's like, yep, I'll play with you. And I was like, awesome. Got a team. It's all sorted out. No big deal. <laughs> uh, then the day of the event, uh, Andrew and Ethan's team, their third member was Jake. He got called into uh, a meeting at work at 11 o'clock when the event was supposed to start on a Sunday on a Sunday. Okay. So it's not, he, he plays for the Edmonton Elks. He plays CFL football oh. and it was the end of the season. So they okay. got called in for something. I don't know. Uh, so he had to go to that. So now Ethan and Andrew don't have a team. And that morning, uh, uh, Andrew, myself, Thomas and Kevin went to go play disc golf. And this is my first time playing disc golf. It was a lot of fun. Actually, it was a little, mm. it was a cold, it was like four degrees or something like that, but it was fun. Nice little warm up before the, the event. So we find out about that and we kind of talk about it. I was like, I'll, you know, we can probably find another person. So Kevin's, I think, brother was an option. And so I was like, well, if Kevin's brother's an option to play, how about I join Ethan and Andrew's team? And then Kevin can play, uh, Kevin's brother can play with Kevin and Kale, you know, people he knows. And so I ended up, I ended up switching teams in the end. So there was a lot uh, going on uh, before the event. And even on the day of it, just the team still didn't really sort itself out. And I'm sorry to all the listeners that don't know who these people are. It's re- really hard to track. Um, so long story short, I changed teams on the day of. 